Yeah. Yeah. All good. Good. Right. So hello. Um, thank you for everyone for coming. I hope everyone can hear, hear me okay. So I'm Alistair Patrick. I'm the online training manager for Boston Air Group. I'm also the form four holder for the uh, exam side of our 147. Um, Boston Air. On that. There we go. Uh, we're a 145, 147 recruitment company based in the UK, um, family owned, been operated for 20 years. Three and a half thousand engineers trained last year, 400,000 hours of uh, sales, uh, 10 line stations across Europe. So this is the, uh, the background from where we're operating in and kind of where my experience is. Um, Jacinta Dooley is also on the call here, heads of our Dublin office over there. We've got offices in Germany and the UK as well. So... Right, so to get going, just a little bit of background stuff, we're all obviously aware of COVID-19 presenting unprecedented challenges to the aviation industry, uh, travel restrictions, closed, partially closed borders, aircraft grounding, aircraft retirements, um, just some, some stats there. Go on any news channel, go on any aviation website, these are all over the place at the moment, we all, as we all know. Um, this was a recent ICAO report, um, I thought the interesting point for this was just really in comparison to previous crises, 9-11, um, SARS, the financial crisis, just looking at the expected dip in uh, passenger numbers and flights that I think we can safely say that this isn't another biggie, this is the biggie. Um, I mean, personally speaking, I think we're probably 44% is optimistic, um, but we'll see how we go. Um, right, so... Where can online training play a part in this? So online training, obviously, there's nothing new about online training. I'm sure most of the attendees on this webinar today have done something, whether it's professional, a hobby, um, learning something new, cookery class, language class, or the standard ones for the industry. Um, obviously, despite all these groundings, despite these potential retirements, there are still some aircraft flying. Grounded aircraft still need to be checked, and some airlines have even brought maintenance schedules forward in anticipation of a return to more normal operations. So Etihad, Qantas, they're two, uh, two examples of this. Obviously, there's still a need to maintain regulatory compliance. So whether that's your part 145, part 10, part 147, um, the NAAs haven't stopped. I don't know um, anyone else, but our own annual 147 audit is scheduled for June. That's still taking place. That's happening remotely this year. So just because we're all stuck at home and the aircraft aren't flying, isn't really, I don't think they're gonna accept that as an excuse to not have your regulatory compliance up to date. So with most classroom training postponed or canceled, online training probably allows the best opportunity to continue training and maintain compliance. Um, whether that be your standard courses, Human factors, fuel tank safety, EWIS, all mandatory, all have a two-year shelf life. Um, and to be honest, you, know, you can pick these up for less than $100, or sorry, 100 euros. So it's um, not really a vastly expensive way of training. There's also your mandatory continuation training, um, keeping that going over the two years, just because maybe you're having between jobs or people are furloughed at the moment or something. You've obviously got to maintain your continuation training. So online can be a useful format, but whether that's catching up on articles, whether it's airworthiness directives, service bulletins, whether it's 
attending webinars such like or just interaction with your own quality department obviously as we all know continuation training is a two-way two-way thing so obviously you're going to need to kind of maintain it at the moment obviously very challenging to do that outside of an online environment as I mentioned before, auditory compliance. So audits still will be happening, internal, external. Um, might be time to sign up to that root cause analysis course you've always wanted to do. Keep yourself entertained. <laughs> and of course, online training, a whole plethora of things you can look at. Security, logistics, airworthiness, SMS, quality, fire safety, technical records, you name it. Now, none of this is new. These things have been online for years now. I mean, personally, I've been doing this for 10 years. Um, it provides a relatively low cost and flexible way of doing this training. What COVID-19 will maybe bring to the fore is that just actually how easy, how accessible some of this training is at a time when, as we know, you know, getting to a classroom, getting to a site or something just isn't possible at all. Um, it kind of gives us the opportunity maybe as an industry to look at this kind of training in more detail and maybe look at the next steps forward for you know how we're going to keep doing this in the future. Perhaps the biggest change, and this is me speaking coming from a 147 background, has been the introduction of a new AMC and GM to part 147. So on the 13th of March, in response to COVID-19, EASA issued an amendment uh, to their AMC GM. This is all comes back to decision 2020-2002 from back in the day. Basically, this allows Part 147 organisations to conduct theoretical training online. Now, by online, I don't mean that it's a click and point slide thing, log in when you want, do it. It shouldn't be seen as a shortcut to getting the courses. This is interactive, synchronous distance learning, as they're calling. So very much as this webinar is now, you will be able to attend part 147 approved theoretical training leading towards a type on a license or such like via Zoom, Skype, something like that. Essentially, it's aiming to recreate the classroom in a virtual location. Again, this is nothing new in the wider industry and in, you know, with the technology, but it is new to EASA in a 147 environment that it's never been allowed to do before. So it is allowing us some kind of flexibility with the training that we can offer at the moment. Has the benefits, obviously, of allowing training to continue at this time. Without this, much of the training we do as an organisation, certainly in classroom-based, would grind to a complete and utter halt. This is allowing companies who go through the necessary procedures to gain the approval to continue training, to keep their business going, to keep training engineers, um, help with upskilling, as we'll go to in a minute, Flexibility, um, you can obviously take this training from home now. Um, you can look at it, sat in your office or you know, at your, uh, wherever. Um, it can all be done. Uh, and obviously the cost savings, no accommodation, no travel for the theory part. It's a massive part of type training. If you've got to travel somewhere to go on a seven week theory course followed by two weeks practical, you've got the accommodation costs associated with that, the travel costs. This is a really good way to kind of, you know, reduce some of those costs whilst you continue training. And I suppose I've got them listed as cons, whether they really are cons. Um, this just covers the theoretical training aspect of it. So examinations and practical training still has to take place in a physical location. 
personally speaking, I've got absolutely no problem with that. I agree with it 100%. I think theoretical examinations online would be very hard to, uh, to invigilate, to look after, and the practical training for anyone who's done any kind of practical type training before. Obviously, there's nothing can beat that actual experience of being hands-on with an aircraft. Um, this also shouldn't be seen as a shortcut to add types to your license. So the ASA regulatory requirements still apply to this. So the content, it's the same ATA chapters. If it says in our training schedule that this is going to take 17 hours, it's still going to take 17 hours. Um, there are no shortcuts. This is a type course delivered online. Duration. Um, if it's 30 days in a classroom, it's 30 days by asynchronous distance learning. So it's going to keep that. And also attendance. This isn't just a thing where you log on in the morning and you can leave your screen running. Um, the idea is that the instructor can see you, you can see the instructor. It's two-way. Questions can be asked. 90% minimum attendance still applies. So yeah, if you're disappearing from your camera all the time and disappearing off screen for a couple of hours, then obviously you're not going to pass the course. Um, that's something that's uh, you know still going to stay in place. So it is probably, in terms of the 147, it's the biggest change we've seen um, with COVID-19 so far. Um, it's, it has been a process. It's not just a case of this is applicable to all companies. Um, you have to put in a procedure for this, uh, update your MTOE. It's quite a lengthy process and get approval. Um, so, but a kind of a positive step forward maybe with some of this. So where does this lead through to? Um, I suppose, also just sorry, missed a couple of things on that, apologies. Um, the other things obviously, time zones, time zones so anyway, home, home learning environment. So if you've got to have a decent internet connection to do that and anyone, if like me, you're working from home with a toddler running around, they tend not to have too much respect for what a home office is. So, um, you know, if she wants to come and see daddy, she's coming to see daddy. Um, there's probably also an element of that you miss out on that camaraderie of being part of a group in a class. So pluses and minuses for both. I'm sure we can discuss this afterwards. Um, so upskilling, fairly kind of obvious thing, where can online training assist with this and why should we be looking at upskilling during coronavirus? Well, learn, improve on current techniques and skills. So you can do, as I said, do that root cause analysis, do that safety management systems course you've been dying to do, refresh your knowledge of subpart G. Um, you know, there's plenty of that's available. Gain some new qualifications. So maybe time to Add in, certainly the guys working in a 145 environment, add a new type to your license, maybe get that engine differences course completed um, in anticipation of whatever we come out of this. Like, we, you know, there's so many opinions on what the market's going to look like post COVID 19. I think by upskilling, by having the new courses, it should, you know, stand you in good stead for increased employment opportunities. Um, Jacinta, Alan and I were talking before actually about um, a few things, but I've lost track at the moment of the number of CVs I've seen come into our company. And after reading about 30 seconds of it, you see the types, Dash 8, 146, RJ85, CRJ, and you say Flyby. Nothing wrong with any of those types at all. All perfectly good, legitimate, solid types. But 
what we found is it was a very different reaction from the customers we're dealing with in mainland Europe for when guys were coming in from Thomas Cook with 320, 330, 7.5 and 7.6. So linking back to this new qualifications piece, maybe this provides the downtime if you're unfortunate enough to have been made redundant, to have been furloughed for the worst of obviously the airline that you're working for goes out of business, that it might provide an opportunity to upskill, gain some new qualifications that could increase your employment opportunities. That could even go down to training for a new career path. Um, now, we have other branches of our business that specialise in uh, renewable energy. Um, we've got another one we just started, rail. We're seeing quite a lot of guys coming out of the aviation industry, particularly for the renewable energy. Um, a good experienced engineer can do a six-week course um, in renewable energy. Some of it can be delivered online, and then you're out there as a fully working Siemens or MHI Vesta service tech. Um, for guys who've been out there contracting, maybe away from their family, it can be seen as you know quite positive if you're going to get a job closer to home. UK leads Europe in wind technology. We've got the biggest capacity for it, so there's a potential for that to look at. For the employer, it's obviously a look at, you know, whilst you've got your employees, uh, you know, working from home or to keep them going, upskill them, increase their effectiveness for when we do come back, because we will come back from this. It might be like a rocky road, it might be a, a long path, but it will happen. Also can help obviously with morale, show that you're, um, you're looking at people, things like that. Um, and obviously, Whilst many of us are working from home or sadly between jobs, it's good to keep focused, good to keep busy. Um, now, if you want to, you can read the whole of 1321-2014 from cover to cover. That's absolutely fine. But you might as well gain a qualification while you're doing it. So maybe some uh, online training. And as, as I've said, none of this is new. There's hundreds, literally hundreds of companies offering online training, whether it's coming from Jane's background whether it's uh, Jonas or myself coming from a 147 background, people like the CAA, IATA, you go and have a look at their website, any kind of course you want. And as I said, it does provide a fairly cost-effective solution to doing this while we're stuck at home. So it's probably good to keep you busy rather than at the moment, it's too, too easy to focus on all the negatives you see. Turn on the news and it's doom and gloom. Well, like, let's try and concentrate a bit on the future. Speaking of which, the future. So, what is the future? Where does the aviation training industry lie coming out of COVID-19? So, it's very tough to say at the moment. With regards to synchronous distance learning, EASA have put a time limit on this. Um, at the moment, it lasts till June, July, something like that. They are going to review it at that. So, they've granted the approval for a limited, limited time period. I can see there being uh, some kind of opposition to them trying to rescind this approval. I think if it works and it could be proven to work and you've got some big players involved in this, Lufthansa were the first European EASA 147 to be granted this approval. It's going to be quite hard for them to, to fight back against it. Whether they'll look at some, uh, you know, there'll be some kind of new uh, auditory requirements for that. An introduction of ratio training is one thing I've seen mentioned. So for a certain number of days delivered online, you'll have to maybe go into a classroom for a day. The recording of an entire session. So it might be the case that the entire course has to be recorded in case the CAA needs to come in. 
on the other side of that, however, how long will social distancing be in place for? Uh, when are we actually going to see the return to 10, 15, 20 students allowed in a classroom? It might be a while. So there's going to be a sign of this that potentially you're going to see this for uh, some time to come. The online training for the continuation, that's, that's got a history. That'll survive. The 147, we're yet to see. Passenger B freight. So obviously we've seen a lot in the news at the moment. Passenger numbers are down. Fleets are grounded. Whereas if you look at the freight figures, they've remained relatively stable, certainly considering everything that's going on. We've also seen how some companies, Lufthansa, um, American, have started to retire some of what you call their legacy fleet. So these older aircraft that were, not going to lie, were you know, being set for retirement anyway, this has been brought forward. So does this indicate that aviation professionals should now be looking to the newer types, so 350s, maybe adding one of the engine, neo engine differences, something like that, 787? Possibly, there probably will be an accelerated move towards increased efficiency and such like. However, if you look at the freight industry, it's such an important part of the modern world. Um, it's probably, or not even probably, it is still worth training 7576, A330. If you look at the world we do, we do a lot of work with DHL. Between them, FedEx, UPS, and DHL still have 138 A300s in operation. Outside Iran, you'll struggle to find one now, I think, that's working in passenger. Um, I read a report, actually, that they're doing some preparation for this um, that said by 2038, it's expected that in terms of freight, 80% of the narrow body fleet will be 73NG and A321. Um, A330 will account for half of all aircraft in the medium, uh, medium-wide fleet, with 76 and 78 making up the remainder. And the 777 will account for two thirds of wide body freight. I know it's something that a lot of the guys in the leasing industry and a lot of the airlines are looking at the passenger industry now and wondering how long is this bounce going to take and what can we do with freight, which obviously is an ever increasing important part of our world. When we've got players such as Amazon coming into the game, looking at their own airline and such like. So just one to think about there, that maybe the, you know, there is a market there still for these older legacy types, um, for the young guys coming in as well. Virtual and augmented reality. I don't really want to go too much into this because I expect from looking at um, the overview of Jonas's topics that this may be something he's going to cover. But uh, a lot of work going into this from companies such as Rolls-Royce and Air France, KLM. Um, virtual reality and augmented reality is part of the training landscape now in aviation. Um, it's, there's still a bit of reluctance from EASA and the UK CAA who we're audited by to adopt it, but they are currently working, having attended the 147 training managers meeting down at Gatwick um, before all this occurred. Um, it, they have got a task force set up looking at that at the moment about accelerating virtual reality and augmented reality into the training um, environment a bit more in aviation. Um, will it ever replace practical training actually on a live aircraft? Probably not, but it probably does have a place. Um, and the final thing I wanted to talk about was adaptive learning paths. So this is something that's been around for a few years now, but we're beginning to see a bit more talk about it. So what do I mean by an adaptive learning path? 
So the concept of adaptive learning is the delivery of the training that utilizes technology and some limited AI to provide a customized learning path. So the jury is still out on this, but in aviation, examples could be human factors. So the course could progress depending on how someone has answered previous questions. It will then focus the learning beyond that, depending down to how you've answered the question, even down to how quickly you've answered the question. And you know, for things such as EWIS, which is a big part of our industry, something like protecting against freezing conditions, um, whilst a requirement to know about it is part of the, the regulatory um, you know, framework, the need, someone working at Keflavik has got a lot more need to know about de-icing procedure than probably someone who's going to spend their entire career in the Middle East. So rather than just having a generic off-the-shelf training platform where everyone learns the same thing, you can have cover the basics, cover the stuff everyone needs to know, but then take it to the next level where you can specify training in for people. So it's to their job role, to where they're located, to what their interests are and things like that. And there could quite well be some, uh, some future development of that. Overall, it, it's hard to know, you know, we don't know, we don't know how quickly we're going to come out of this, but that's just some of the things um, to think about. And then just to finish off, uh, my colleague Jacinta made me promise to uh, mention her and, um, if anyone's got any questions afterwards, obviously we'll have a Q&A session, but um, that's our Dublin office if um, anyone needs any questions. And um, Thanks, Alistair, for that. It was very informative and uh, gives a good overview of, of where we're at training okay. online and what the possibilities are in the future. We'll leave the questions till the end. Um, if Jonas is, is okay to, to start there, um, you're on mute at the moment and now you're good. Yeah. So, thanks again. I uh, just, just need to make sure how I can... Uh, so uh, share, share the screen, the button in the center at the bottom. Uh, yep. So, yep, okay. there we have it. Yes, very good. Okay, so hello everyone. I'm uh, uh, Jonas Karalus, uh, Training Manager at FL Technics. Uh, part 147 organization. Today's, uh, thank you for invi inviting me to this... Uh, um, presentation. Uh, so uh, I'll uh, I'll first touch on a couple of subjects. So first one uh, is uh, uh, virtual aircraft, which is another tool for uh, distance synchronous training. Uh, Alistair uh, introduced with to the uh, virtual classroom, which is used for theoretical training. Uh, and afterwards, I would like to give some tips on. Uh, uh, some uh, where freelance technical staff should focus on during uh, COVID-19 times. Uh, something that uh, also Alistair has already touched on a little bit, but I would like to give some 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 uh, tips and tricks uh, towards that. Uh, okay, so uh, virtual aircraft. Uh, just to get familiar with the term, it is a uh, simulated, not real aircraft on which it is allowed to perform practical training and assessment, and that that's what. Uh, IASA has published in his, its latest uh, AMC. Uh, of course, uh, as it was already mentioned, uh, IASA is reluctant to uh, accept uh, such new technologies, but uh, these times are good times for, for everyone to, to, to go on some brave changes. Uh, of course, regulatory requirements are, uh, have to be met, but uh, on one side, IASA is giving exemptions uh, to, to, to do things easier 
And I think training, uh, it's better to give training uh, uh, more flexibility than flexibility on EASA requirements regarding uh, qualification. Uh, so this tool uh, would be beneficial because it, uh, it allows to cover uh, a portion of practical, so-called on-wing practical training in virtual simulated environment uh, using distance uh, learning method. Uh, organizations are not yet ready with this tool, uh, but in current situation, it is a motivating factor for developers to expand its capabilities and for regula regulators to accept it for a larger portion of training. Uh, at FL Technics, we have uh, developed this tool last year uh, using VR technology, as you can see in the picture, where the student uh, uses VR goggles and uh, handheld uh, uh, motion devices uh, to perform tasks on virtual aircraft and on uh, on the screen students can see what he is doing and learn at the same at the same time uh, or you, you can see it on on their computer screen uh, as per yasa guidance such tool is not acceptable for basic hand skills such as wiring welding drilling where you need to actual uh, hand skills using the tool but it could be used for type training where procedures and uh, uh, use of OEM data are main objectives of the training. Uh, such uh, technology is not a simple or, or, or cheap solution, and uh, therefore it's not really viable uh, or efficient uh, during normal times when everything, all operations are going smooth, smoothly. Uh, I see it uh, as being a solution where uh, the training is very urgent uh, and there's no real aircraft access available. That was during normal times uh, or during these times where there are plenty of aircraft available for training. They're all grounded, uh, but it's not possible to get everyone in the same place on the aircraft, uh, instructor and all the students. Uh, so uh, I, I think for the future, uh, this situation reminds us to work, to work on the R&D of, of, of such proje projects. Uh, uh, because uh, we don't know what future holds for us. Uh, on the next slide, I, I, uh, there's a actual view that students see through his goggles, and uh, it's uh, it's full motion. Uh, the level of detail and functionality uh, that uh, new technology produces with this tool it could really allow for good quality training. As Alistair said, I mean, it, it's not it's never going to be real real aircraft training. Uh, only in, in some portions where, where you could do uh, uh, some unexpected uh, situations or you could do like a see-through uh, a component to, to see what's inside or, or how it actually works. And that goes a bit more into augmented reality uh, because you, you could see beyond, uh, beyond some parts. Uh, but uh, during this situation, because we see some exemptions being granted for uh, distant practical trainings, which would be done in a virtual classroom. So I think this tool is uh, much more uh, advantages than uh, uh, than doing troubleshootings in classrooms uh, by itself. I mean, no one was prepared for the situation that we have right now. Uh, and uh, th that's why such tools are still under development uh, as they were, there was never real demand for it. I mean, of course, there were aircrafts like A350 for which is very difficult to, to find aircraft access, but it's still possible. And uh, such tools were not 
still were not developed. But in case uh, we have prolonged uh, difficulties getting aircraft, this could be a solution. I think uh, not. it would not be a replacement, uh, but it would be a problem solver in very difficult situations. Uh, and I think uh, use of such tool should be going through uh, exemption. Quite high, yeah. Can everyone hear me okay? Yeah, all good. Okay. Any questions so far? No. All good. Okay, good. Uh, so uh, now I'm, uh, I'm going to move to my next topic. Uh, I, I called it staying in shape uh, during uh, COVID-19 times, which is very similar to what uh, Alice there already touched on. Uh, so basically just a couple of tips that, that, that we see uh, I'd like to share to the some technical staff who might be independent or, or self-employed or, or uh, freelance technical staff. Uh, who may not be actively uh, working right now. Uh, we all see a dramatic decrease in operations, and uh, as Alistair mentioned, their competition uh, for employment is uh, is getting very, very, uh, very high. Uh, and uh, what what we have seen after uh, 2008 economic crisis that the companies were hiring staff who was, who are already trained and are good to go. They don't want to invest in, into, into a person because they have many people to, to, to choose from. So uh, already mentioned point, expand your scope, uh, get new qualifications. Uh, uh, my, my, my second advice would be to stay current, complete your continuation trainings, whichever those may, may be. Uh, and there are tools, organizations are offering those virtual classes for uh, Continuation trainings. There are online trainings for, for, uh, e I mean, uh, human factors, fuel tank safety, EWIS, and and all that. And uh, third one, which I, I would say is most difficult one, is to maintain recency. Uh, when technical position requires recency, for example, uh, to exercise privileges of the license, the holder shall have. Uh, at least six months of experience in preceding two years. Uh, and that's where we, we do get uh, many requests and, and, and many questions from, uh, from potential students. Uh, so uh, the, 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 the recency, okay, uh, yeah, excellent. The, the recency requirements uh, really depend highly on the organization. Um, in normal times, IASA's position is that uh, if, if you missed on your recency, uh, refresher training, no short training is acceptable. And therefore, there, there are two options that, that they were giving is uh, uh, either to complete uh, type training once again or to uh, regain your experience working as a non-licensed engineer. Uh, as of right now, they do give exemptions to... Uh, to delay uh, this, uh, these deadlines, uh, to, to uh, give some flexibility. In my opinion, uh, in my opinion, extending those those, uh, uh, those requirements or being more flexible in requirements is not a proper solution. I would say uh, refreshment training in, in such cases uh, is much better better solution. But uh, 
Of course, as training organizations, we cannot guarantee that this training will be accepted by the organization uh, that you're going to be using the certificate for. Therefore, uh, the best my, my best advice would be try to, by all means, to get experience on the aircraft. Uh, if not possible, of course, uh, refreshment training uh, might help you out, but otherwise you may just uh, lose your privileges of your license. And uh, uh, my last slide, uh, the thing that we focus mostly as a training provider uh, is to help out those, uh, to give some solutions to those uh, independent uh, staff, uh, freelancers, uh, by offering, uh, uh, giving ability not to buy the full course, uh, full group course, but to buy a seat in the course, uh, virtual classroom uh, for such qualifications. Type continuation to stay current. Uh, Gen fan for office employees to expand on their scope to get new types. Uh, for uh, engineers, uh, to aircraft maintenance tra program training, engineering and planning training, so, so that they could stay in shape during this uh, uh, COVID-19 times. Uh, and that would wrap up my presentation. Uh, thank you. Uh, any questions that you may have? Uh, thank you, Jonas. Just on your last slide there, do you do engine uh, familiarization, differences chain training as well? Uh, not differences training, but we try to uh, combine, uh, let's say, uh, CO and EO training into one, as, as it provides two, two aircraft types. But uh, any other training that, that, that uh, is available, we could provide it virtual classroom, but those are open classes that uh, we made available. Uh, what, uh, what I'll do is I will have uh, your contact details in the follow-up email, and if anybody wants to get a full list of the courses, they can contact you directly. Same, same with Alistair, obviously, and Jane. Um, all right, that's great. We're over the half-hour mark, but uh, I think um, it's been very interesting so far. I'd like to uh, ask Jane now to uh, give us a little bit of info on the whole interaction of the classroom, the, the students with the, with the uh, the instructors and uh, what the experience from uh, AAT is because uh, uh, AAT, I think you've stopped sharing Jonas there. Is that yeah, right? I, I, I need to figure out this. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jane's organization specializes in uh, CAMO Part 21 uh, aircraft records training in association with the University of Limerick. But I'd I, I like to explain Jane a little bit more. So we yes. need. You want us to, to stop share there, first of all? Yeah? Or maybe I, I can do it, can I? Okay, hang on a sec. No? Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure, yeah? I'll... There you there go. It'll be, be open for you there now, Jane. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Alan. Um, nice to meet you guys. Some of you I know I've met before, uh, once or twice. <laughs> Um, let me see if I find my presentation, which certainly doesn't look as flash as the other guys, which are very nice and very interesting. Um, I definitely agree with some of the points. Um, okay, one sec. I, I have two screens here, guys. Sorry, it just came So I'm not looking cross-eyed. Okay, so, so yeah, as Alan was that's saying, we run. Sorry, Jane, you're you're showing the FLT screen there at the moment. Oh, hang on a minute. 
So you had your screen there. Sorry, the apologies there now. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Okay, have you got that? One second now. It's yep. Uh, so if you yeah, if you do uh, what do they call it, screenshot or slideshow? Yeah, slideshow. Just yeah. coming now. One tick. Come on. There we go. Okay. No. Yeah. Yep, it's coming now. I think is it? Yep. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, we're okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, well, um, thanks very much, Alan, for uh, inviting me along anyway. Um, so I suppose to start off, we're, we're uh, working with Limerick Institute of Technology for the last few years. Since 2016, we've been running aircraft records course. That's been really popular um, with people who want to transfer their skills, come out of the MROs and become technical consultants. Um, we've been working with CAE Park and their guys, and we have some great instructors on, which are, um, that brings an awful lot because I suppose they're working all the time at the job. So um, I suppose just because we finished up with our courses and we had to transfer online um, sort of halfway through it, it's interesting because we hadn't run any online courses before. Um, and people were wanting them. There was a hesitation always, um, whether it be on our part, or, uh, you know, also on the instructor's part. It's, it's not really, they prefer to be in the classroom. Um, but everybody is adapting fairly well. And there are certainly definitely uh, disadvantages to it in the sense that um, students play dead sometimes. You don't know, do they exist or not? Are they there? You know, you might hear a rustle in the background. You might, um, you know, if people leave on their cameras, it makes it a lot more interesting. I know maybe people don't look in great shape. And, uh, you know, like that, you can get yourself a nice virtual background, but it helps an awful lot. And the instructors are finding it fairly difficult to gauge reactions. Um, so... That we'll have to kind of look at um, to see how, how it can work better, you know. Um, the feedback is good, though. People really do like it. They like the convenience. Um, at the minute, of course, everybody is locked up. But in previous times, it has stopped people attending our courses, the fact that they have to come too physically to Shannon. Um, it also... You know, it sort of um, allows people to join. Like this time we had people from Perth and uh, Miami and Germany. So that was a first for us. Um, certainly, though, less experienced students, it's very difficult for them. Um, we do record all our classes. Um, they're available all the time. And this is that's really, really important because people are a bit scattered, especially if they're at home, they can be getting distractions. There are toddlers walking in. So at least they can watch the class afterwards. But for inexperienced people, and we do have them sometimes. We might have somebody from air, on an aircraft records course who's from an accountancy background. 
Um, and it really benefits them to be in the classroom and they definitely get more confidence and they build connections as well. And that's something that's really missing from a full online course. There is no interaction. There's no cup of tea, um, you know, and people don't make friends. So that's kind of the way of it. Um, so as I was saying, it's kind of hard to gauge people. And we we're thinking that we might need to find some new ways of assessment of that, maybe quizzes online, maybe see are they still awake so we can figure out some kind of electrical buzzer system, <laughs> um, polls, other methods that we can use to try and gauge how they're getting on. Else just insist that they all keep their cameras on and their mics off. But it, even though if you in, insist on that, or if you ask or request nicely, um, sometimes it just doesn't work out. People, more than often, you'll have a third of the class willing to turn on the camera. So that's pretty difficult. If you have a small class of four or five, 10 people, if you have a class of 30 people, grand, you know. So what I have found though, that our classes that started, our, our long one, the air traffic technical services class has been running for 26 weeks. Most of those guys will leave on the cameras, you know, because we've met each other before, we're used to each other, so that shyness and block doesn't exist. Um, so I suppose that's kind of um, what's been going on recently for us. Um, opportunities, as I was saying, there's, there's people coming from all over the place. I got an email from Ghana, from a guy working for a park in Ghana. So, you know, that really wouldn't have happened. I think people are looking online, maybe, you know, as I say, LinkedIn is a great platform for us. I was kind of like a rash all over it last week because we had a, a camel course running during the day. And then we had our courses in the evening running. But it works to get, you know, the word out there and people people see it. So, that for me? No? No, no just uh, no, no worries. That's right. yeah. okay, sure. Um, I presume, like, going forward, um, you know, uh, agreeing with Alastair, um, you know, I don't know what we're going to do in terms, and Jonas, of what we're going to do in terms of the amount of people in the classroom. Um, you know, in terms of filling a course and making it financially worthwhile, then... Um, you know, we're going to have to keep numbers up. So that will mean dividing people out. And maybe some people will come to class and some people will stay online or and vice versa. So we'll blend it. But I think that we're going to have to do something like that to make sure that students get the benefit of being in the classroom, having the interaction and the contact and the connections, and also then the convenience of being online. So um, for the, the future for us, you know, hopefully we'll survive along and um, we'll have enough students to keep us going. It is a bit worrying, I think, in six months, a year's time, you know, when everything has kind of died down, there will be a, a bit of a lull before things pick up again. Um, but I do agree that people need to keep training, keep themselves busy. And from what I see out there, people want to do that. And they recognize that online training 
um, is probably the future now, the way to go. And as I said, I know it's been around, I know it's been there forever. Um, and it's kind of funny that people are surprised how well we're doing uh, with it because we live our lives online and on camera all the time, you know. So guys, that's about it for me. Um, yeah, that was very interesting. It's great to see, you know, the, the psychology of, of the interaction there as well. Like, you know, people, that use cameras or don't use cameras and oh, uh, yeah yeah do, yeah do you use the breakout room facility much in your classes uh, we, yeah we have had we have had use of it um what i find is that the more tech technical savvy sort of instructors um will use the facilities um you know so the breakout room is good and mm -hmm. um, you can put people in there to do their practical exercises and at least then that's some social interaction mm -hmm. between students, you know. We, we need to start using all these tools a lot more. Um, I suppose just getting into it now, um, we're new at it, but we're all learning fairly quickly, you know. Good. Any questions from the other participants there before I move on to APTN stuff? Any questions? No? All good. All right. That, that was a fantastic uh, overview. I know we're running a little bit over. I'll just keep you one or two minutes. I just want to share. If you can stop sharing there, Jane, for a second. Yeah, sure, Alan. And, yeah, uh, yeah. There's one more slide there. If anybody well, go ahead. Wants go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's just a, just a list of what the courses are there. Brilliant. Brilliant. And um, yeah, sure, that will be there. Okay. I'll stop share now. Uh, actually, when are those starting? When is the next schedule? Okay. Course? We're starting in September again. Um, right. uh, yeah, and there will be a list up on LIT's website soon enough. So, um, yeah, and, and I'll send it out. Um, Maeve from Skillnet will send it out as well. And you, you end up with a university. Um, okay, uh, yeah. Well, what we've done is we've built four modules there um, of six. So we're yeah. working towards a Bachelor of Science Aircraft Technical Services at level seven. Right. And um, although some of the stuff really could be pitched at level nine, what we're trying to do is bridge the gap between people who have got a lovely EASA, B1, B2, C license, whatever they have, and it's not, nat not really recognized as much on the national framework. You're looking at a level six on the national framework right. of qualifications. And if people want to go on and do a management course at level eight, level nine, well, they've got a level six and they can't jump so our level sevens are filling the gap for them and they're able to move on Excellent. as i say some of the some of the info is more but you know people are doing fine and um so in september we'll have that validated with lit and each module that people do and whereas our student sean gone is gone but anyway um each module will count towards that you could do it through the access program as and when you wish, whenever you have the time and whenever the course comes up, 